0: DJ P.K. and Tim Lacombe joins us, former BYU assistant basketball coach, also on the Utah basketball staff before that, now jazz radio studio analyst. Tim, good morning.
1: Good morning, boys. How are you today?
0: Good. I, I finally got a haircut. Have you ever uh, trimmed up that beard? Are you uh, rolling into Santa Claus territory right now?
1: Um, wife mandatory made me trim it down a little bit. She uh, was not liking the direction it was headed, which was toward my feet. And um, so it's a little tighter, but still there. But no haircut yet.
0: So we were just discussing Bronco Mendenhall. There's a series of stories running him in the D News. And PK put up a question on Facebook and asked... uh, You know, impression now that Bronco's been gone for four years, and it was uh, predictably all over the map. People miss the winning. People do not miss the quotes. People find him odd. You know, there's a whole long list of stuff that you would expect. One thing PK and I were talking about was that Bronco didn't really embrace the spotlight. It seemed to bug him at times, and that uh, is something that's unavoidable when you're a BYU coach. You saw Dave Rose deal with it. You saw Rick Majerus deal with it. Is it... I think it's intense everywhere, but is it even more intense when you're coaching BYU and you're in Utah County as opposed to the Utes? You're in Salt Lake. How different is it?
1: You know, I think. Uh, you know, I think the BYU fan base, um, and, and particularly living in Utah County, it's at times it can be uh, a little suffocating uh, for the head coach. You know, um, it's it really is pretty much everywhere you go, whether it be the grocery store or restaurants or wherever you go, um, you know, you're you definitely stand out. You're somebody that most people recognize and know. Um and I think that in comparison to Utah, you know, I think that it's all like being a little bit more um, you know, having a little higher population of maybe people that aren't as interested in Utah, whereas BYU, pretty much everybody down here, you know, it's a, it's pretty much a BYU place, and so um, I, I can definitely see where Broncos coming from. I think that, uh, you know, toward the, particularly toward the end, coach was was ready to not have uh, everybody stopping and talking about the roster because <laughs> you end up having, I think you end up having the same conversation a hundred times a day, you know, and it's just a matter of trying to figure out a way to get where you need to go without having to uh, you know have that conversation again
2: i'm interested in watching how mark pope is constructing his roster and with social media now you find out if uh guys are available in the transfer portal and you hear that they've listed their three schools it's clear that byu has been very active in that transfer portal uh and As far as building your roster and getting kids who are not members of the faith, it looks like that that is the transfer portal is the way to go in that way. How hard was it for you to get guys who weren't members of the faith there to come as freshmen or J.C. guys versus what it might be to be a grad transfer? You know, typically,
1: um, and especially – You know BYU got a has always had a basketball name. Um, I think you know there's been enough good players that have come through. Um, You know Danny Ainge you can always talk about, and Jimmer Fredette obviously what he did when we were there. But uh, BYU with its its TV presence and ESPN and um, you know there's there's always an interest uh, to a certain extent. I think it's kind of drilling down, and when you start talking about what the commitment really is. Um, uh, I think that the transfer portal actually, you know, and I think this was emphasized a bunch with Matt Harms is, you know, he said it and I think the staff said it countless times, Hey, I only need to be there eight months, you know, not even a full year. Um, it is, I think it's a really good way to, uh, to attack recruiting and perhaps filling some holes, uh, that are caused sometimes by missions. Um, and I think it's a great way to go. I, you know, I've mentioned a few times. Um, you know, there was there was a period over the last few years where we were basically told that grad transfers were completely off the table; that that wasn't an option um, because of the academic um, requirements to get guys in. So, unless they were carrying, you know, uh, above a three zero and really genuinely could qualify for. a graduate program at BYU, which is difficult. You know, there was really nothing we could do. Um, I think we got involved with LJ Rose was a grad transfer, but, you know, prior to that, we were pretty much trying to find guys who had a connection in some fashion to BYU um, uh, or, you know, just some interest in a couple of guys like Chase Fisher was a guy who... New Mark Pope from Wake Forest, obviously, and there was a connection there. Um, You know, when Heath came to BYU, he'd been recruiting just your hard net pretty hard um, uh, at spots he was at, and so he'd run into his name, uh, and, you know, there was a, a connection to BYU. So typically, there has to be some kind of connection, and you've got to be able to kind of be able to get over the... Initial hurdle of you you can you can't do what or you can, you can't do this or that. Um, maybe there's there's some things to that, but it seems like um, this new approach may be a really great thing for for the staff to be able to do, and it looks like they are utilizing it to their to their full advantage.
0: Have you talked to anybody? And I think either pro or college, and either locally or your friends around the country, are there play, places anywhere where players are get out and, and playing or Getting up to five hundred or a thousand shots, or has this been the most abnormal two months? Uh, not not just for normal life, but for basketball players trying to improve. Is there just no parallel to this, or are there some exceptions um, somewhere?
1: You know, without incriminating anybody, I, I do talk to tons of people around the country. And, um, you know, the the one thing most guys are most guys are home, so. You know, you don't have the, the ability in, that you typically have at this time to play a lot of pickup ball and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I do think guys are finding gyms. Um, you know, I do know in certain spots that, you know, guys are finding games and getting out and playing. Um, but I but it has been. I mean, there's nothing like this. It. This is the most abnormal couple of months in, you know, certainly in our lifetimes in athletics. Uh I, you know, it's almost like every night I have to be reminded by the t- the guide on the TV that there really isn't any games on tonight that are actually going on, um, and it's been really difficult. But but I think you know players find a way to to get better, and whether they're whether they're getting shots up on an outside court or, or finding a church or high school to get into, um, I promise you this: there's guys finding ways to get to, to improve or work on their game.
2: Did you see that? I, I think I saw. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw there was some recommendation by college coaches to the basketball coaches, in particular, to redo the recruiting dead periods and maybe have in July be not an evaluation period.
1: Yeah, I did see something about that. I um, I don't follow that as closely as obviously I once did, but I think they're talking about um, all sorts of different things, and really what what's you know, with the news out of LA yesterday, um, I don't know. You know, I don't know how it's all going to sink because the, the problem is it's a national calendar. I mean, everything was set up. I did see that all the regional recruiting spots were shut down um, for for these academies or um, that you know the top high school players go to be recruited. I saw that all that stuff was shut down. In fact, Utah was one of the was one of the locations this year. Um, the University of Utah so that that was a, a bummer because we would have had some really good recruits coming in here locally um, but it's just uh, yeah it, it's it's something right now where every state's on a kind of a different timeline and unfortunately you know you play teams from other states I just don't know how this is all going to work I, uh, I still have my doubts as to I know there's all sorts of people saying that there's going to be football and there's going to be basketball. And, but I, I just don't see how it's going to happen right now unless something major changes.
0: You know, I think the the Pac-12 coming out and saying 11 conference games, it's occurred to me that that gives them the ability to flex out. And, and this does possibly take them out of the playoff, which I know they haven't been in anyway the last couple of years. And it, it could wreck bowl games, but I'm not convinced anyone's going to be want to travel into bowl games anyway. But what about playing these 11 conference games over 20, 22, 24 weeks, whatever it is, and really spreading them out if they have to and like, okay, now's a good time for those two to go play. I mean, it'd be really weird and really unusual, but it seems like by keeping it inside the league, they'd be giving themselves that kind of flexibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things being talked about, but again, I I mean, I don't know how, how you guys feel. I, I, I know you probably talked about it ad nauseum, but um, it, it's hard enough just to schedule a game in perfect situation uh, to have to be able to uh, time it all right and get everything working and have both teams agree and both schools agree and both states agree. And uh, Man, there just seems to be a lot that has to fall into place for there to be any kind of semblance of competition. Um, and it is really a bummer, but it, it seems to be where we, where we are um, in the, uh, to me, the season, both basketball, football, I, I think it's all a toss-up right now, whether we see it, whether we don't see it. Um, you know, certainly not going to be fans in the stands, but uh, could they come up with something that could at least pacify TV and get it? I mean, you imagine the ratings on, those, on the games that actually, if they do happen, be uh, through the roof. So, uh, man, so many un- unknowns. I just know from having scheduled, uh, that was one of my main primary jobs at BYU for 10 years. And, and really, honestly, how hard it is to get everything to come together. And there is in every contract a clause, you know, that talks about acts of God or, um, you know, things that are out of the control of, of schools. So, there are, there are things that are written in their contingent. So it's just it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Do
2: you think we'll see any significant changes that will be basically mandated going forward, such as, you know, with recruiting that maybe we don't travel as much or in basketball, like uh, a home-and-home with Utah as a non-conference thing, that stuff that can maybe limit costs?
1: Yeah, I, I could see that being possible. Um, you know, I think we, we are learning as a society. I mean, I read every day that, uh, X, you know, School X is hosting, that their whole staff is hosting a, a recruit on a virtual campus tour. Um, you know, I think there there are maybe some positive things that come out of this where maybe we don't have to spend uh, the money that we spent uh, on things. Um but again, I think it, it's almost like talking about a science fiction novel because I don't think, including you know, we certainly see um, briefings every re- so often that nobody really knows anything, <laughs> and we're all just guessing and there's a ton of conjecture. So um, it, it's it's really up in the air as to what what's going to happen. But I think you, yeah, I think DK, you could be to something there. There are some things you could take out of this where. Travel isn't as much required. The budgets aren't as affected. Um, And that's going to have to come into effect because every school is going to feel it. Um, They're already feeling it now. But you start taking away football games and profit from, you know, or income or revenue from football games. Um, Some of those things are just staggering, and they carry a whole department. You know, carry a whole university's athletic department for for a year at a time. Uh, With that revenue not coming in, you're going to have to find ways to to do things but not spend money doing them.
0: I don't know if you had this experience or not, but you were behind the scenes for so long at multiple schools, public and private, that I want to ask you anyway. I think that... You know, governors and mayors and school presidents and ADs and coaches, they've all had to comment, right? They've all been out in public. But it's like you say, there's a lot of conjecture and there's a lot of risk, and no one knows for sure because we haven't lived through, most of us haven't lived through pandemics before. So we don't really, you know, we can't say for 100% this or that. It's just playing the odds. And I wonder how much power lawyers have behind the scenes. They don't have to comment. They're not public, but they're saying there's this much risk. And you've put this many kids in dorms, this percentage are going to get sick. There's this risk of lawsuits from parents if someone dies. And I just wonder how much someone says that in a room and everybody gets quiet and thinks, wow.
1: Yeah, and really what's what's interesting about that, and again, it comes back to what we're talking about, but, you know, then you've got every... Every lawyer, every team of lawyers, every group of counsel that are counseling presidents and athletic directors and universities, they all have a different, you know, they're, they all have a different uh, come from, I and mean, they're not, not everybody thinks the same. We see that, we see that every day. Um, everybody's got a different opinion. And so, you know, I, I saw something yesterday was talking about, you know, universities that are... Located in red states or blue states, I mean it really does come down. There's a whole lot of, of political stuff that's intertwined here, um, and so that's why I say it's it's going to be really difficult. With you um, know, I was I was shocked yesterday when I saw LA County push their mandate out for three three more months, and just all sorts of things that when one one group of, of people do something, it affects everybody, and then everybody else has to kind of react. So. You're, I think you hit it right on the head, DJ. I think people that don't have to comment uh, are the people who are giving counsel. And that counsel, I would imagine, varies wide, widely depending on the location and, and the mindset of, of each kind of university or locale.
2: So who
0: are you going to vote for president then?
1: I'm, I'm actually going to write in um, DJ and PK.
0: Co-presidents, that'd I, be crazy.
1: I would think you guys. I mean, you're clear, concise, entertaining, but you're tough. Um, I think you have a vision for what we can be. So, and, you know, I just feel like you guys would be stellar. It's gonna be a lot. Uh, of st- I would never even. I would never think twice. I, I think you know. I would never vote Monson and Jake Scott in. I just don't feel like they have the gumption that you guys do. So. You guys are my vote.
0: I can tell you the one thing PK and, and I'll do first. This isn't our platform. It's going to be a lot of sports on the south lawn. A lot.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> hey, what do we got going out there today? Looks uh, like we've got some cricket. <laughs> cricket followed by some uh, lacrosse.
0: Well, on you got to be lawn. you got to be a real good golfer if you're going to uh, drive it there off the uh, off the portico there because. There's going to be a baseball game going on about a hundred yards out, and you got to carry those kids. We can't be beating kids. With I, those I promise drives. you
1: this: if PK is anywhere around, there's going to be a nightly concert too on the lawn.
0: Oh, that's an excellent thought. Why hasn't there been more of that? He'd
1: be up there with his legs crossed, sipping his favorite drink, and which I understand is Diet Coke, right?
0: Coke Zero. Um, Coke Zero. Coke zero. Sorry.
1: But can you just see him up there with a cowboy hat on and waving to his adoring fans?
0: PK, come and to the Situation and- PK, come to the Situation Room. Not until intermission. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, one last thing, because I've watched way too much of it, but you guys notice um, if you watch, say, CNN, for instance, and Wolf Blitzer's on, there's almost like this magnet when he's been interviewing someone they have to say his name like 20 times at the end of everything. You know what I think, Wolf, is, uh, just pay attention to that, it's kind of funny. Um, that's one thing I've picked up is, above all other people on television, people just love to say Wolf.
0: So when people talk to me, they often, or about me, either one, they have to say my full name. They can't say David. They have to say David James. And they don't have they do. to say Patrick Kinnahan. But, oh, yeah, the, the full name, and I, I don't know why it is, but it, it happens a lot.
1: Because I think, you, again, it just comes back to you guys being presidential. <laughs> Unlikely. Diplomatic, Uh-oh. formal. When I think you guys, I think you buttoned up and laying down the law.
0: Tim, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. Uh, keep that beard trimmed, okay? okay? Don't irritate your wife any more than you have to.
1: Shall do. Thanks, boys.